the Lord that he has given me going into this last service of the new for 2018 uh, going to into next year that I just want to share with you but it's it's not a very deep thought it's super simple but it's so true and so needed um, and so Exodus chapter 33 verse 15 I'm going to be preaching under the title not without the Lord not without the Lord Whenever we conclude worship, uh, Ben's going to come and receive tithe and offering and pray a prayer of dismissal. Exodus 33 and 15, this is Moses speaking, and he's speaking to the Lord. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Before we begin, I wonder if we could just take a moment and pray and open our hearts and our minds, our spirits to the Lord. God, I magnify you today. I welcome you into this place. Lord, speak to us. I draw us near to you. Minister from your word in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you'd give me strength, that you'd anoint my words, Lord, to minister to somebody's heart today. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and honor. Amen. Amen. I just want to share with you the sentiment of what Moses was expressing here. If your presence does not go with us, if you're not in this, God, then we don't want to go up from here. We would rather stay right where we're at than to move forward and not have your presence accompany us. Because the most important thing is not our comfort, it's not what is okay, it's not what's permissible, but instead it is what his presence will be doing and where he will be. That's where we want to be. We must have his presence in our life. We cannot do what God has called us to do without his presence. We can't fulfill his purpose in our life without his presence. We can't even live according to his word in our lives without his presence. We may make a good attempt and a good effort, but we must have the presence of the Lord because there is nothing quite like meandering through life without having the spirit of God right there with us. We have to have the presence of the Lord. In chapter 32 of Exodus, uh, the people, if we were to go back and read and study the people, begin to worship uh, a golden calf that they had created, begin to call upon it as their deity, as their God, and worship it, and proclaiming it to be their God and their deliverer. And God told Moses, that he was going to destroy them. He said, stand back. I'm done with these people. I've delivered them. I brought them out. And, and, and my anger is just to a place where if you'll just move out of the way, Moses, I'm going to destroy them forever. And understandably, he was quite angry and mad uh, at, at them. And so he is going to destroy all of these people. And God even told Moses, he said, what I'm going to do is I'll just start over with you. You've been faithful to me. You've trusted me. You've, you've walked with me. I'm going to start over with you. But as for these people, I am done with them, and I'm going to destroy them if you'll just step out of my way. 
But Moses said no. He said, Lord, you've given them a promise. What, what kind of God would you be if, if you didn't fulfill your promises? What kind of God would you be? Don't, don't destroy these people. Don't do this to them. If you're going to destroy them, then you might as well destroy me too because I don't want to be part of something that a God does this to the people he has chosen. These are your people, and he starts to remind them. He said, you saved these people. You brought them up out of Egypt. Do you remember Abraham and the promise that you gave him? These are those same people. Do you remember Isaac that you walked with and you changed his name and and gave him a promise? These are those people. Do you remember Jacob? Do you remember all of your servants that, that, that were in history? These are those people. These are your people. Don't destroy your people. God finally said, okay, Moses, I'm not going to destroy them. I'll even forgive them. But then he said to them, you you and these people, why don't you get up and you go ahead and you go into the promised land. I promised you that land. Go ahead and go over there. You move to your promise. And, but then he says, but I'm not going to go with you. I'll forgive them and I won't destroy them but I'm not going to go with you. And so Moses, the people, they began to repent. The Bible tells us that they, they stripped off all of their, their jewelry and they, they, they stripped themselves of everything. And they stood before God just as his people. They separated themselves unto him to see what he would do for them. In a way, they were trying to make atonement with God for their sins. Moses went in and met with God, and Moses said to God, these these people have sinned. They've committed a great sin. But now I, I want you to forgive them. If you will, if we found grace, he said, if I found grace in your sight, if I found favor in your sight, not on them, but on me, forgive them. If not, blot me out too. God said, I, I'm going to forgive them. And I still have a promise for them. I'm going to send my angel before you And I'm going to drive out the enemies. My angel will do the work, but I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. Well, this really got the attention of the people. When they heard that God was not going to begin to be with them, they began to mourn. And I imagine a great sound coming up from the people as they began to weep and to wail and cry because God was going to remove his presence from them. And they watched the tent of meeting that Moses had set up in the wilderness, (coughs) waiting and watching to see the presence of God. And when he finally shows up, and they hear the voice of God declaring that I'm going to forgive them, And I'm going to 
give them their promise, but I will not be with them. They realize and recognize this is a very serious moment. It takes place in Exodus 33, 12 through 15. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. You have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. So God finally relinquishes. He looks at what the people have done. He sees their sin, but he also sees their repentance. He hears their wail and their mourn at the judgment of God's presence not being with them. And he has Moses there standing trying to mount any kind of repentance or defense for the people to not be destroyed, not be judged. And he finally relents and he says, I'll go with you. But in verse 15, Moses kind of, he wants to be clear that God is going to be with them. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Don't take us out of the tents we're dwelling in. Don't bring us out of the wilderness we've been walking in. Don't take us out of the desert place. Don't remove us from this place. If you're not going with us, even if what is over there might be better, I would rather be in a tent with the presence of God than be in a promised land without God. I would rather be right here where it's uncomfortable than to be over there where God has left and God is not with us. I'd rather be in this place where it's uncomfortable than be where God's presence is not with us because the most important thing Moses understood was it was it doesn't matter if you're in Egypt, it doesn't matter if you're in the wilderness, it doesn't matter if you're in the promised land. If God is not with you, it doesn't matter. presence of the Lord. He was not content with the promise. It may be a land flowing with milk and honey, but Lord, if you're not going to be there, I know we have places to go. I I know that you have a plan. I know your angel will be with us, but none of that matters. If I'm not going to have your presence, don't remove me from this place. None of that matters. If I can't have your presence, don't move me from this place. Your blessing may be a great thing. It may be a great blessing, but the blessing is does not matter if there is no presence of the Lord with the blessing. The most important thing in my life is not my status. The most important thing to me is not that Branches Church be the largest church in the city. The most important thing to me is not that your life is blessed and that you live this wealthy life. That's not the most important thing to me. The most important thing is that each one of us experience the presence of the Lord. And there are some things that we have to recognize and pray and bring 
to the Lord and say, God, I'm willing to do this, but if your presence is not there, I don't want to go. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes as long as your presence is going to be with me. If it's not going to be in the promised land, then I don't want to go. I don't want to make this decision. I don't want to make this move. I don't want to act until I know you're going to be with me. Because the most important thing, it's not accomplishments, it's not land and houses, it's not success. The most important thing is the presence of God. Because with the presence of God, I can go anywhere. With the presence of God, I can go where he directs me to go. With the presence of God, I can be in a terrifying situation and know God is with me. God's hand is upon me. As long as I have that comfort and I know God is going with me, nothing else matters. We can do anything that he wants us to do. But without the presence of God, there's no joy. There is no peace. There is no satisfaction. There is no rest. We must have, we need, we have got to have the presence of the Lord. And 2018 may have been a rough year for you. And you may have all of these designs and imaginations of what 2019 is going to be. But I'm telling someone today, don't think about 2019 without first thinking about, am I going to have the presence of the Lord? I don't want to go into a new year with new ideas and new things that I'm going to do without knowing that the Lord is going to be with me. And here's the thing. If you look at Scripture, there are times that God spoke to one person and he said, you need to go here. He told them where to go. And he went with them. And there were other times in Scripture where he told people, he said, don't go. But they went. And he was not with them. And then there were other times where he just made it up to the person. He said, You make a decision. Whatever you do, I will be with you. In all of our decisions, we've got to have the presence of the Lord. And I wonder sometimes, how can people make it without the Lord? The truth is, they cannot. That's why we hear about suicides. That's why we hear about crimes that are committed. That's why we hear about addictions and people being wrapped up in things that they should never allow their lives to be wrapped up in. That's why we see... uh, families that are torn apart. That's why we hear so many sad and tragic circumstances. That is why we see people who seem to have everything in their life, but they're still never satisfied because there is no satisfaction without the presence of the Lord. Don't be satisfied with the promise or the promised land without having the presence of the Lord. In 2019, we need the Lord to go with us. 
We need the Lord to go with us. And whatever decision we're making, we need the Lord to go with us. I'm quickly about to close. Ben, if you want to signal my wife. Our minivan, if you're familiar with it, it's the blue minivan that's out there that one of the doors doesn't work, and uh, it's got high, high miles. I'm proud of it because we bought it from a missionary, and God has blessed it. We used it traveling for two years, and we've had it five years since we moved here, so seven years total. We bought it. It had 60,000 miles on it to give you an idea of how long, how much we've driven on it. Uh, it's got over 230,000 miles on it now. Uh, so we covered a lot of states. We went to, I think, 48 states and five Canadian provinces. And, uh, yeah, we got to see the country in a very short period of time, over two years. But that van has been a real blessing. And I, if you... You stick around long enough, you'll get to know, I, I don't like to spend money. I don't. But I know my wife needs a vehicle. And so I've been searching for two months now. I know that's longer than anybody else would ever search. Other people would go on a Saturday and pick out a vehicle. But I've been searching and I've been praying. And, I, and, and I'm just using this as an, as an example. I've been praying, and I've prayed for every vehicle I've ever bought. Say, Lord, you know I want this vehicle. I'm going to use it for you. I'm going to use it for your kingdom. It's, it's got to provide a good transportation. It's got to be uh, reliable. It's got to be secure. And I don't often buy a vehicle based on flash. Now, my wife has some things she wants in the vehicle. She wants some leather seats and heated seats so on and so forth. Me, if I can fit in it and it'll move me, I'm good. That's why I drive a Prius because it's not flashy at all. That's, I miss having a truck. I will not lie. So I've been praying and I've been seeking the presence of God on this decision. And a lot of times we think, well, it's just a vehicle. Just buy something. It's flippant, right? But here's the thing. I bought my first vehicle, and that thing cost me a lot of money. I put money into that first vehicle when I was about 16, finally saved up about $2,000, bought a car, and I think I put seven or $8,000 into it in a $2,000 car to keep it going. And after that, I just started praying, okay, God, whenever I find the right vehicle, give me peace. Let me know, this is the one. And so I've pursued every decision since then on that. That's this minivan, I felt the peace of God. We bought it from a missionary. We've never had the thing break down on us. We've had stuff we've repaired because we knew it needed to be repaired, but it has never left us on the side of the road. We've never broke down. And I'm using that as an example to say this. Even in some, some little things that are decisions, it's in our best interest to seek the presence of the Lord. 
There's a blessing in having the presence of the Lord. In every decision that I make, I seek the presence of the Lord. Whenever we were buying a house, God opened up doors, and we found the house, and it was, we had a peace about it, and we knew we were right where we needed to be. And even though we were trying to start the church in another area of the city, God knew we were right where we needed to be because this is where church ended up being. It was right here in this city. We had a peace about it. I'm telling someone today, 2019, you're going to come into the year, you're going to have designs, you're going to have ideas. Stop. Seek the Lord. Find the presence of the Lord. And wherever he's at, that's where you're going to be blessed. That's where you're going to find all of the answers you're looking for. That's where you're going to have. It doesn't, you say, well, sometimes it seems like that's an uncomfortable position. God's put me in an uncomfortable place. Believe me, being uncomfortable with the presence of God is better than being in complete comfort without God. And we have to think sometimes it's not always what is the best thing. But what is God blessing? Stand with me. Stand with me. I'm talking to someone today. Not without the Lord. I don't, Lord, if you're not going, I don't want to go. God, I don't care what the promised land holds. I don't care what the spies say is over there. I, I don't, if you're not going, I don't want to go. Don't remove me from here. I'd rather stay in a tent. I'd rather stay in the wilderness. I'd rather stay in the desert. I'd rather keep eating manna every day of my life than to go to the promised land without you. I have to have the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord an opportunity to speak to us? Maybe you're in the middle of making a decision. Maybe you're in the middle of seeking the Lord for direction for the future. Maybe you've just been thinking over the past year, 2018, and how you want to see 2019 be different. Why don't we give the Lord an opportunity, seek the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of God. God, I need you. God, I need you every day. I need your presence. I need your presence in my life. I need the Spirit of the Lord in my life. I need you alive and active, working in my heart and in my life. My decisions, Lord. God, in the direction my life is headed, I need you. I need you. I don't want the promise without the promise maker. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We take a moment and worship the Lord.
Worship the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I magnify you, Lord. Praise your name. blessed 2018 and I'm excited about 2019 I'm excited about what God is going to do in each of our lives and to kick off the year uh, January 6th through January 13th uh, we're having champions week and uh, for you uh, for those of you who joined us last year after January uh, champions week is just a week a time of dedication that we as a church body put dedicating some time of prayer and focus uh, to the Lord, preparing for the year. And it's wrapped around two power-packed service Sundays uh, that we allow God to speak to us and move among us. And then Monday through Saturday, we have prayer. And we open up the church for prayer on Saturday is a um, is a church-wide prayer meeting from 6 to 7 p.m., just like we normally do on the second Saturday of the month. Uh, 